doing, Zach Cassidy? Adam Henry, Bobby Jones, Jeff Jarrett, Joe Siddle, TJ Laramie, and Holy Mackinac, you're listening to Wind City Sports. What up, everybody? My name is Victor Moore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, Windsor's only local sports radio show and podcast. The radio show airs live on CJAM 99.1 FM every Thursday at 1230 in Windsor and Detroit, and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. But you can catch every single episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, of course, wherever you're listening to it right now. But we are available on every major podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just simply search up the Wind City Sports Podcast to find us. W-I-N-C-I-T-Y is all one word. And give us a subscribe and review on whatever app or site you might be using. And the same goes for social media, at Wind City underscore sports. Or simply search up the Wind City Sports Podcast, Wind City is all one word, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and beyond. Give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever it may be. But today... It's Thursday, December 19th, 2019, and it's episode 176 of Wind City Sports, and it is our last episode of the podcast and on the radio as well on CJAM of 2019. We're going to be taking next week off uh, from the podcast and as well as the radio show, as a week from today will be Boxing Day, and we'll all be chilling, maybe shopping, whatever you want to do. And uh, the following week, we'll be back on CJAM with the radio show. Yeah, but no podcast for two weeks as we take some time off to uh, regroup, recoup, and get ready for the new year. We're going to start things off with a bang and bring in some uh, some new elements to the show, hopefully. We're just going to change it up a little bit. Um, but as 2019 wraps up, uh, it's been an, an awesome year, actually, uh, for Win City Sports and in general, I suppose. But uh, I've had a lot of big guests on the show this year. We are going to start our top 10 countdown uh, probably tomorrow the next day you'll be seeing on facebook twitter instagram every year I always make a list of our top 10 uh, interviews of the year and we are reaching out to you guys on twitter if you haven't seen already we had some votes and should still be one more vote left up and it includes our guest for today who we haven't gotten to yet um, but man this is one guy that when i was telling people uh, he's going to be on the show or i did an interview with him whatever I was shocked at the amount of people that, and I hope uh, he doesn't hear this part, and if so, I apologize in advance, but I can't believe how many people rather didn't know who he was or didn't remember this guy, because I remember when he was in the NFL, not even being a big football fan at the time, and just that Windsor pride that he was always kind of giving some recognition, you know, being in the NFL, not a big deal, guy from Windsor, Ontario, grew up out in, uh, well, I didn't grow up, but he went to high school in Bell River. Went off to Miami, Florida for Miami U football and then got signed to the NFL. It's Brett Romberg this week on Win City Sports. This is a great conversation, quite a long one too. I uh, talked to him a few weeks back, but man, the guy can talk and he's good at it. And uh, that's only a good thing since he himself is also a radio show host out in Florida. And I believe he has or he used to have his own podcast as well. So, I mean, this guy is no uh, no stranger to the show, really, in that sense. And in our theme, he's a Windsor athlete, uh, NFL alumni. So that's pretty cool to get Brett Romberg on the show this week. Uh, following our interview with him, I'm going to talk a little bit about our Windsor Spitfires, our Windsor Express as well, if you listen to the radio show, because uh, the news dropped a little bit late after I had recorded last week. I'm just going to share my thoughts on the possibility of the Windsor Express basketball team playing at the barn 
and uh, also kind of give some updates and uh, spoiler if you haven't seen they've already been shortlisted <laughs> it hasn't even been a week but again we'll talk about that a little bit and some other stuff before we wrap up our last podcast of 2019 man we've had some awesome guests this week and or sorry this year and just off the top of my head i'm going to go through uh, some of my some of my favorites obviously kevin lee from the ufc just a week after his fight with gregor gillespie uh, bob bugner and warren reichel also very recently uh, going all the way back to our first episode of the year, Danny Probert was an awesome one. Do you guys remember Pete Cusimano? He uh, coached uh, CCH for a long time, and it was a stellar conversation with him. And I'm sure you guys were familiar with a few years ago. I think it was his last or second last year. Uh, they had Jonathan Nicola on the team, who was 30 years old and pretending to be a teenage kid. So he talks about that. Uh, that was a pretty good one. Dave Benito. Um, UFC fighter and UFC 5 he was one of the originators I guess of, of martial arts and mixed martial arts really in Windsor um, that's just a few just to name a few Todd's uh, Screwy St. Louis was a great one uh, lots of colorful uh, stories with him um, and yeah so there's so many to go through but I'm not going to waste too much time but right now I just want to tell you about SeatGiant.ca if you're looking to get some tickets to a Windsor Spitfires game or Windsor Express, that'll be starting up soon, or anything in Windsor across the border or beyond, whether it be a sporting event, concert, theater, show, whatever it is, Sea Giant has tickets for everything, all in Canadian dollars and no service charges. So that's the best thing. You know exactly what you're paying for. It's not going to inflate the price of the U.S. conversion, which is crazy right now, even though I'm still buying stuff from the States and shipping it over. Um, but better yet, you can get 5% off your order with code WINCITY, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y, now at SeatGiant.ca. So right now, we're going to switch over to our interview with Brett Romberg. Here we go. Right now on the phone, we have a former NL center. He played uh, college for uh, the University of Miami as well, earned All-American honors, and was recognized as the Outstanding College Center by receiving the David Remington Award, and now the host of his own radio show, Brett Romberg. Welcome to Win City Sports, man. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, born in Windsor and started your football career here at Bell River High School. Were you always a Bell River kid? Just tell me a little bit about growing up, I guess. Uh, no, for the most part, I was actually uh, uh, Tecumseh. Grew up in Tecumseh, played uh, played baseball for all the little Tecumseh teams, and then eventually, as time went on, ended up going over to the Windsor Selects and played baseball. I was more of a, a baseball kid than I was a football kid, to be honest with you. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even want to participate in, the, in, in football, but John Bloomfield, uh, one of the local coaches back in the day, who uh, ironically I still have a very good relationship with, who's actually coaching now down here in Florida, um, he... He took one look at me at A.B. Graham and said, uh, you need to play football. You need to go ahead and figure something else out for baseball. But I, uh, I, I kind of rode the wave, I guess you could say, for both sports. Uh, playing pretty competitive, played for like Team Ontario and that kind of thing in the baseball world. And then and then eventually started getting a little bit too big, I guess you could say, for my britches. <laughs> started putting on some weight and hitting the weight room pretty hard. And I... Uh, I won't say that I like worked myself out of being a baseball player, but I definitely uh, cost a lot of money for my parents at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, you could tell looking back at those days, those photos of you, you're a big boy. And uh, yeah. just in grade nine, I believe, was your first introduction to, to football at all, right? Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was the first year I basically decided to play. And um, I, I guess from the very beginning, uh, I didn't realize it. I just, to be perfectly honest, the reason why I played football was number one because I was basically pushed into it by mm-hmm. Bloomfield and number two it seemed like uh, there was a certain sense of pride I guess you can say a little bit more 
team oriented, if you will. It was like one of those things that um, I knew that an independent sport or an individual sport like tennis or golf just wasn't going to be it for me. I needed to be I needed to be surrounded by other guys, by by players, and uh, I needed to feel that team camaraderie where I could lean on somebody, they could lean on me, kind of thing. And that's how I felt like I was going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So you kind of found something in the sport that appealed to you, I suppose. Yeah, and then plus kicking the crap out of people. <laughs> that, always, that always, that always, I guess you could say, leaned a little bit more beneficial towards me. I, uh, I was, uh, I was just like a lot of the other kids back in my day when I was like 15 years old, 16, and taking advantage of the fact that I looked a lot older than what I was. I, I took advantage of the 19-year-old drinking age, and I was a frequent visitor of a lot of the downtown bars and establishments. And, uh, and for the most part, was was buying beer at the beer store for people that were two or three years older than me. So it was it was pretty it was a pretty nice little run I had. <laughs> yeah, it's those things when you're uh, that age too. You know, it's like this is just kind of cool. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it. I uh, I enjoyed my falls, I enjoyed my summers, uh, and my actually my teachers. Ironically, my teachers were very supportive. They were they were great. I wasn't exactly your model student, but uh, but I held really good grades. I did well in class. And it, it actually even helped me tremendously when I got to the university level, where uh, I guess you could say the Canadian credits and the Canadian grading system is much different than the American grading system. Yeah, so yeah. when I actually got to university, uh, the education, they didn't know where to put me or how to put me. But basically what happened is they put me in with a lot of the entry level guys. And I, I almost looked like a genius, to be honest with you. It was pretty funny. It was ironic. Like, my teachers thought I was gifted, so they ended up pushing me forward and skipping a lot of classes and putting me in, like, gifted programs and stuff. So I was able to fast track, get my degree early, and then go on to do, you know, my master's. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Maybe we'll get into that also. Um, but I actually want to kind of talk about that road to my, uh, the University of Miami. So, again, just kids starts playing football in grade 9, just kind of, why not? You know, it's something to do. You're kind of encouraged to do it. Are you starting to get recruited after a few years, maybe a little bit of scouting and starting to realize, like, hey, maybe I can do something with this? Or how did that all happen? Yeah, yeah, actually. Um, but, again, I still I still had baseball on the mind. Like, like football was an afterthought for me. Yeah. I, I really wanted to be successful in baseball. I was a huge Tigers fan. Um, it was right around the time when the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs was, you know, winning World Series with Joe Carter, and, like, things were really, really cool in the baseball world at that point in time. And, and 13 years old, 14 years old, I was still trying to be the pretty boy. I was still trying to be, you know, 215, 220 pounds, working out like crazy, you know, do the, the bleach blonde hair thing and, and try to look the part. And I really didn't want to get fat or get big <laughs> and, and be like your typical football offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was something that I was really holding on to for a long time. And in the ninth grade, I'll never forget, University of Western coach came down and asked Bloomfield, hey, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to get him next year. And then Bloomfield said, who are you talking about? Said, uh, right there, number 65. And Bloomfield was like, he, that kid's 13 years old. And you're not going to see him for like another four or five years. And that's when that coach was just like, "Your shit, right? Like, <laughs> they can't be. That can't be true." And and then all of a sudden, a lot of local uh, Canadian universities started recruiting me, like Senator Fraser and McGill and stuff like that. And my at the end of my first season and my second season, so tenth grade, and then upon that, it was like a lot of the American schools started figuring it out, like especially the ones that are closer to the border, your Toledo's, Western Michigan's. Eastern Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and that kind of thing. Guys that can obviously border hop and, and, and basically figure out what's cracking up in the Canada level. So once that went down, 
then it just became like a lane slide because no coach in college football wants to let some other athlete go underneath their radar without figuring them out. It's like it's like it's like when they go mine for gold. You know, once one person finds something, everybody just it becomes contagious. So before you knew it, I was getting offered from everywhere: Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, uh, Houston. Like it was just my 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 drawer that I used to have under my bed was overflowing with letters from universities and colleges and stuff and. It uh, it became then I became I guess you could say aware or privy to to the possibility of actually attending university and having it paid for. That's pretty wicked, man. Did you realize like how big that was at the time? Again, like you just kind of started it, just like man, why not? Did you realize like how big of a deal it was to be kind of looked at, even from schools over uh, in the states? Honestly, like well, there there was a couple guys on our team, and I played with a couple guys in, in, in high school that. You know, they got looked at. They got, I think, like partial scholarships, maybe like Bowling Green or or uh, Wayne State and that kind of thing. You know, just like hey, a good a good opportunity to make a, make a degree out of it. Yeah. So, I never, even to the day of like basically getting on a plane and going to the University of Miami, I kind of was still in denial. It was it was one of those things where it's like, I'm really doing this. Like this is something that yeah. is kind of unheard of. You know, it's like I'm almost like the the, the trendsetter right now, especially for like the southeastern Ontario area, to go to like a major university on a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So I never really, I never really put too much behind it, other than I'm going as far away from home as possible, and I'm going to a place where people pay a lot of money to vacation. So <laughs> I knew, I knew in January because I was an early enrollee. I actually left my senior year of high school, so I would play AKO my senior year of high school which uh, I don't know if AKO is still around back there, but yep. I used to play for the Fratman, and I won, like, you know, whatever the, the awards are for, like, you know, Rookie of the Year, Junior, CJFL, Player of the Year, and all that other stuff. And that's what I did my senior year of high school to get a little bit better competition and to go against guys that were, like, 22 years old, like men that had families. Some of them did jail time, for Christ's sake. You know, it was <laughs> one of those things where I, I kind of wanted to, to grow a little hair on my chest and go against some real competition. And then come January... Right. I decided to go just to get out of town and get the hell out of here and, and basically come to the University of Miami. Even my mother, uh, the day before, I threw a big rocker, like the longest party at my house before leaving to the University of Miami. And I'll never forget, my mom was so shocked that all these people were in her home and she's like, what the hell is going on here? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to university. I'm going to Miami uh, next week. And she's like, for what? <laughs> and I said, uh, Mom, your kid's like the best high school player in Canada when it comes to football. And, you know, I could have picked anywhere I wanted to go, and I chose Miami. And she's like, Miami, what, Florida? And I said, yeah. And then she said, uh, I don't I don't believe you. And then sure enough, like, you know, a couple of days later, I'm on a plane and I'm out. So That's crazy. I always kind of danced to the beat of my own drum. I never really listened, I guess you could say, to, to, to my elders when they were telling me to be home when the streetlights are on. I was always out just getting after it and trying to, you know, create as much havoc as possible. Just living life, man. He had to have a big party to get ready to go to Florida, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially you know, during the wintertime when, when things are looking pretty dark and dreary back home. It's it's not too bad. Like, I'm I'm looking out my window right now, and it's and it's actually a cold front. Everybody is wearing winter jackets and sweaters. My kids are all dressed in sweaters, and it's 78, So and there's not a cloud in sight. So it's one of those things where even yesterday we were debating on um, going on the boat and not going on the boat. And uh, we went on the boat. And my wife was like, ah, it's a chilly day. And it was literally 81 degrees. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different mentality. Okay, so you're accustomed to that Miami um, weather lifestyle now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, blood, uh, the blood's definitely thinned out. Uh, one of those things where it took a little while to get used to because in the summer here it is 
nasty, yeah. like nasty hot, like breathing through a sock kind of hot. Yeah. So people always talk about, you know, your west side with uh, Arizona and Phoenix and all that being, you know, 118 and 117. But if you have it flavored 102 degrees with soaking wet humidity, it's like literally you are sweating the minute you walk out the door and try to get into your car. It's bad. So yeah, it's bad. It's pass, it's pass out weather. It's definitely <laughs> pass out weather. It's crazy. So you started off back there again, um, recruited to the University of Miami in '99, and you guys had some great success down there. Won a lot of championships. So uh, from the playing aspect, how was your time on the team? Uh, it was awesome. Again, I, I wouldn't trade any decision I've ever made when it comes to my football career. You know, and the baseball thing and all that other stuff. It, yeah. it really was. I'm part of the greatest team in college football ever assembled. Like, there's, there's no other way to put it, really. When you go through positions and players and draft picks and tight ends and you name it, it's uh, it's been a blessing. But I also made the decision to come here uh, blinded, basically, because I didn't know the University of Miami at all. I never knew anything about Miami. I just knew that it was the farthest place on the map that I can attend school and be in warm weather. And once I started walking through the halls and seeing the pictures of Jim Kelly and Vinny Testaverde and Bernie Kosar and Warren Sapp and Jerome Brown and all these just ridiculously talented Michael Irvin and like it was it was mind-boggling I didn't even know that's how much I studied football obviously I just didn't know what the hell I was doing but I just knew I wanted to go to Florida and I wanted to go as far away from home as possible and and basically come home with a degree I had no aspirations of playing in the NFL I just basically said this is a free way uh, on my bar, on my part to to get an education and then, you know, after my sophomore year when I'm starting to get, like, All-American stuff and watch this and, and, and started, the awards started piling in, it was like, wow, this, is, uh, this could be a reality. That's crazy, man. And we're going to get into all of that as well. And, again, it seems like um, education was a big aspect for you, too, uh, in regards to going over. Um, but now it brings us to the end of your uh, university career. Uh, and again, some big accolades with the team, and you went undrafted in 2003. Was At the time, was that a surprise to you at all? Oh, yeah. It was a surprise to everybody, even uh, Mel Kuyper and everybody on draft day. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was one of those things where if you picked up a magazine, I was supposed to be either the first or second center picked in the draft. And... When the first center got picked, it was early in the first round, probably right around midway through. And I know the guy very, very well. He's the center from Notre Dame. And uh, I was like, okay. And I'm sitting there with my agent, Drew Rosenhaus at the time. And then Drew's like, okay, you're up next. And I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden they picked the center from Wisconsin. And now I'm starting to like read between the lines. Like these guys are bigger than me. They got longer arms than I do. They, um, for the most part, uh, are just going to be bigger guys and a little bit more durable when it comes to their physical mass. And then I, I looked at Drew and I said, okay, that's two centers gone. We're in the second round now. And then, uh, and then another center goes. And then another one goes. And at this point, I am so bitter and livid and mad. And all I kept thinking about was how embarrassed I am right now at the fact that I thought I was going to be something or be somebody and other people were telling me that I'm not and I had no control over it. You know, it was due to my, apparently due to my size, my arm length or whatever it was, whatever the scouts deemed, I was a great college center, but I wouldn't make it in the NFL. Um, that was, the, that was probably one of the most gut wrenching things. I was so livid. We got to the fifth round 
And I told my mom and my friend, I said, let's go. Anybody calls, I don't want to play football anymore. Like, that's how, that's how egocentric I was about mm-hmm. my ability and how good I was. I was literally telling my agent that if a team calls in the fifth round, mind you, the majority of your centers and offensive linemen are usually drafted that late. So my arrogance that I'm thinking I should have been a top-round pick, and now I'm telling my agent to tell other teams, I don't want to play football anymore. So it took me a good 48 hours before I calmed down. Uh, I, I didn't know this, but I was like a premier free agent. So they, they basically pay me um, as a free agent, like they would as if they were drafting me. So if you looked at it, uh, a lot of the seventh round picks, they got basically the same amount of money that I did, but they didn't get to choose on which team they wanted to go to. I had about a 16, 17 choice option I needed to make on which team and where I needed to go. So I got paid like I was basically a seventh round pick, but um, I had the ability to choose which team. So me wanting to stay in Florida, I, I chose the Jaguars. And I was going to Jacksonville because I felt like I could compete and I could possibly, you know, take over that center position. So um, time went on. That center, Brad Meester, was the most durable freaking football player I've ever seen in my life. Like, I never hurt, never missed anything. And ironically, the, the, the week that I got traded over to St. Louis, um, it, was, it, was, it was a blessing in disguise. I ended up starting yeah. in St. Louis and stuff. But, but the week that I ended up getting traded from Jacksonville, for three years, Meester never had one bumper bruise. And the week I left, he tore his tricep. So it was one of those things. It was a season-ending injury for him. And, you know, it was just like, man, I've been here putting in my time for three years. And I don't have an opportunity. And all of a sudden, the week I leave, I had an opportunity. So, yeah, it was was, was tough early on, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It was the most probably emotionally coming off of the high horse that I just came off of with national champions and you know, all these different accolades and being part of the best college team ever and, mm-hmm. you know, the best offensive line ever assembled and that kind of thing. It it really was it really was a kick in the balls, to be honest with you, to, to wake the hell up and, you know, things aren't going as smooth as you think they are. Absolutely, man. Every part of the story is a big piece, right? So, I mean, maybe it was, uh, again, a blessing in disguise, like you said, and it seems like you really hit your stride in St. Louis. Like, again, you, you ended up being the starting center. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those things where my offensive line coach he called me and he's like, "Hey man, you have an opportunity over here. Uh, the center just blew his knee out, and uh, and I want to try to see if I can make you the starting guy over here." And you know, it took me a couple weeks, but you know, within a few weeks, I became the starting center over there for the Rams. And me and Incognito, and you know, we were out pounding the pavement, having a great time, and we had a great, great, great group of guys in St. Louis from like Tory Holt and. You know, getting to play with my left tackle, Orlando Pace, is considered one of the greatest to ever do it, you know, at Ohio State University. Um, it was really, really cool to, to be part of that stuff. Really, really cool. I can only imagine, man. Now, following your time with the Rams, it seems like, I mean, on paper at least, it looks like you had a love-hate relationship with the Falcons being signed and released a few times, obviously, different circumstances. But even though it seems like you missed the 2010 season, maybe due to injury, who knows. But uh, take us through that whole ride. Yeah, so so then obviously I become a free agent after my my few years, my three or four years at St. Louis, and um, now I'm starting to take visits, and I'm going to a couple different teams to see who wants to pay me the most amount of money, basically is what I was looking for at that point in my career, and uh, I end up taking a visit over to Atlanta, and still to this day, 
love the guy more than anything. He's the GM over there, Thomas Dimitrov. And basically, his, his dad used to be a big-time CFL guy back in the day, and Thomas actually grew up in a CFL locker room. He was, like, with the Tiger Cats for a long time. and So Thomas knew who I was, knew everything there was to know about me and, and how, like, prideful I am about the Maple Leaf and stuff. And so I get off of this plane, and I go sit with him in his office, and, and he's a young guy. Like, he's hip. He's, like, you know, he's got, like, little spike hairdo. He's got the little goatee thing going, little 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 tickler underneath the lift and you know he's styling he's the guy's dressed up real nice and uh and so i sit down and i'm kind of acting like a poindexter a little bit i'm a little nerdy because i'm trying to be on best behavior and then he stops the interview like four minutes in and he says to me he says uh so hold on a minute. so this this crazy bastard that i knew from canada you telling me that this guy what would, would, would he have kids now and a dog or something what's the problem and then that's when i looked at him and i was like well, what do you mean and he goes well you're in here on a visit. I want to know about, you know, the Brett Romberg that I heard about, not the one that's at the combine right now, mm-hmm. trying to answer his questionnaire and trying to be all proper. And I said, oh, okay, oh, shit, okay. I said, let's play this game then. So I started getting on him about his hairdo, his pants. <laughs> I kind of reverted back to my college days when all we did was just make fun of each other all the time. And it proved to be probably one of the best and smartest decisions I made. And Thomas uh, kind of took me underneath his wing, and I felt I felt really, really at home in Atlanta. It was one of those things I got to see the field a lot, got to play quite a bit, and then um, and then uh, they ended up drafting a kid in like the third round, I believe it was third or fourth round. And I saw the writing on the wall. You know, usually the youth movement they don't want to pay me my money, so they want to pay a younger kid his salary, which is a lot less, and he could possibly do the same amount of work as I can. So it, it, it's the youth movement. It just happens all the time, and it's just not publicized. Mm-hmm. But uh, all of a sudden, I found myself, you know, trying to battle for my roster spot, and and then uh, and then I got banged up with my shoulder again a little bit, and my hand, and then uh, and then it just got to the point where they said, "Look, it is what it is. Don't go too far. See if you can still play. We still want you back on the roster. You know, it's football stuff happens." Blah blah blah. So. They had two defensive backs go down. They needed to fill some defensive back spots too, as well. So that was like I was like one of the last on the chopping block for that matter. And then, and then ironically, uh, shortly thereafter, somebody blows out their leg. All of a sudden, we're watching the game at home, and my wife said, "Oh, they're going to call you back." And I said, "Oh no, hell no, hell no. I'm done. I'm done with football, and I'm already super light at this point in time." And the Falcons end up calling me within like 20 minutes of her saying that after they get off the field and. They said, basically, you got a 7.30 flight tomorrow morning. How much do you weigh? And I said, oh, I was 280. But, you know, deep down, I know I'm 259 pounds. And, and within 18 hours, I ended up putting on 20 pounds and getting on a plane and heading my ass up to Atlanta and becoming a Falcon again. So it was it was cool, man. It was uh, it was definitely a roller coaster of a career. Um, it was a fairy tale life. It was everything that it's all cracked up to be. You know, it, it, it really is. It's uh it's the amount of money you get. It's the amount of fame you get. It's the amount of of, of just coddling that goes on with with professional athletes nowadays, and it's even way worse now. Mm-hmm. But but back when I was playing, it was still pretty goddamn bad. Like you you had everything laid out for you. You knew where you were going to be at what time. You knew how you had to be there. It was it really is. It's, it's almost like a militant lifestyle, but uh, but with so many more benefits, way more benefits. <laughs> 
That's awesome, man. I mean, you made a, quite the lifestyle, like you said. It was like a fairy tale. And after nine seasons in the NFL, you decided to retire. And you probably alluded to it a little bit again with you know pretty much being done with football before getting that call. Um, so was the decision to retire difficult for you? Uh, it kind of was. It, it really is. Because here's the thing. I, I ended up going back and doing it all on my terms. I, I basically told them, well, if you want me to come back and play, you got to pay. So I ended up achieving that. Um, I had the best time. Like when you don't care about the outcome, <laughs> basically not necessarily the games, but when you don't care that if you get sent back home or not, because like what was the worst case scenario? I just go back to my everyday life that I was having in the past, yep. and you're going to pay me over a million dollars to come and just hang out with you guys for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> shut me up. But the only the only couple things that I regret is one, I missed my brother's wedding. I was supposed to be the best man at my brother's wedding. And that happened in, I think, September. So he thought, you know, my brother's done playing. He told me he's done playing now. He's not going to play anymore. Then all of a sudden I go back and I play for another year. That was a little bit of a, a problem. That was a tough, tough yeah. decision that I had to make. But my brother told me, you throw a million dollars, I'll be at your next wedding. Don't worry about this one. You know what I mean? So it, it, that's the one thing that I really, that still bothers me and hurts me to this day was, was missing his wedding. Um, but, but ironically, I was going to go back and play one more year for the Titans to get my 10th year. And we ended up going on a trip, coming home. Something wasn't right with me medically, and I basically had the Widowmaker. So I had, I was died of a heart attack, and I had like three stints put in my heart. And it was a crazy, crazy, crazy roller coaster of a couple months. And then, and that was it. It was like the minute I had the surgery, then all of a sudden I started having kids. And then that whole separate, chapter of, of the Romberg life kind of began. So football was was definitely over at that point in time. And uh, and I guess the family man, the more relaxed and tranquil, I guess you could say, version of myself started out. That's pretty cool, man. And like you said, like any uh, any athlete living that lifestyle, obviously it takes a it takes a toll and it, it takes you away from your family and stuff. So to be able to do both so that's great, right? To to live that lifestyle now, be able to do whatever you want to do, and I'm sure if you do miss the game, uh, you still kind of keep your foot in there with uh, the Brett Romberg show. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, well, yeah, I, I actually, uh, and then you know, I did a lot of com. I do I do analyst work yeah. television wise, so I still go around the country and you know do college football and stuff. And um, I like watching it from a distance, but I still watch it like I'm critiquing it, like I'm in a film room. Um, it's hard for me to, to be in a stadium atmosphere. Like, for instance, this weekend I was I was at the game where Miami was playing FIU and FIU beat Miami, and I basically had to walk out of the stadium early because I still I still have the give me my goddamn helmet and shoulder pads because I want to go out there and do it. <laughs> yeah. That's my mentality. You know, and it's hard for a lot of athletes to, to basically hang them up, if you will. Yeah. And I... I'm, I'm, I'm totally at ease and I'm totally comfortable and, and, and confident with, with the fact that I don't play anymore because God knows if I went out there, I'd probably have every joint in my body explode. But I'm, I'm totally still mentally thinking like, like I'm, I'm, like I'm going to go out there and do something. Like it's, it's weird. If, if people say it's odd to watch football with me, um, I don't like watching football with people because I find myself getting entranced basically. And then even... Even if I'm like bringing people on the sideline, or I'm, I'm bringing people to like NFL games or co- all or collegiate games, I uh, I'm just I'm just a different different person. I actually feel like I'm waking up on game day. I'm eating breakfast pertaining to what I need for energy for a game. 
I become a little bit quiet, a little bit more introverted. And especially when kickoff comes around and I'm like hearing the national anthem being played or it's just a weird feeling that overcomes you. It's just, I don't know. It's obviously I've been doing it since I've been 18 and I played all the way till I was like 33 years old. So, you know, having 15 years of really competitive national spotlight football, uh, it's, it's, uh, it definitely controls your brain. That's for sure. No doubt. You're like the Ric Flair of football. <laughs> he still wants to get back in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's cool. Exactly. Well, uh, as mentioned, I don't think the, uh, the Brett Romberg show was your first gig in broadcasting at all. So kind of just tell us about, uh, the show, I suppose, and, uh, what else you might be doing. Yeah. Um, so I got invited. I used to talk a lot of crap back in my college day, and I've always been a friend of radio shows. Every city I've gone to, I've either had my own little, you know, 15, 20-minute segment on uh, in every city I've been in, but uh, I've always had a little mouthpiece on me. And well, finally, one day, one of the local radio shows down here was like, hey, man, why don't you come in, you know, once a week and give it a shot for an hour, see if you like it. And then I did it, and then they wanted a few, a few more days, and then I said, no, I'm not giving you any more of my days. I'm basically, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm washing my car and I'm golfing, and I'm enjoying that. And then, uh, and then that kind of got boring. And then we started having kids, and I wanted to get the hell out of the house. I couldn't be around anymore, listening to crying baby and, and, and mama going crazy, yelling at me all the time, and I think she wanted me out of the house, too. So I, uh, I elected to start, you know, talking on the radio a little bit. And then that... That grew. That, that did very, very well. And, you know, then I opened my mouth one day saying, yeah, I think I'd be pretty good at analyzing football. And then all of a sudden I had the network call me and ask me if I would like to come and try out for a network analyst job. And, you know, that went well as well. So it uh, it's just kind of pieces have always kind of tended to fall in place for me. Uh, and, again, I, I tell my brother this all the time, and it's like, am I lucky? Um I think luck is when hard work meets opportunity. So I felt like my whole life, all of those days, all of the nights, all of the holidays, all of the sacrificing, all of the injuries, all of the surgeries, everything. It, it just, you kind of get in what you put, you, you get out what you put into this whole thing. And I feel like the reason why things have gone well for me is because of my constant, constant drive to be either successful and maybe even a little fear of becoming a failure so that's one thing that I always told myself that because I saw guys in high school that would go and they would come right back home within months or within a year or they would they would find a way to screw up something that they had uh, and then they would just get sent home and I've always kind of walked the line of I don't want to shame my name I don't want to put my family in a bad spot and I just I've always been afraid of either being broke or being shameful so I think those two things have always driven me regardless of how much money I got in the bank account or how how famous I am I'm always looking at my right and to my left and making sure that the people that are around me are really good people that are there for me that are there for the ups and the downs and on top of that trying to make as much bread as I possibly can that's fantastic, man. I mean, you seems like you lined yourself up, uh, you know, during and even after football, maybe even inadvertently, like this whole conversation, like your whole life has pretty much been uh, not even realizing where you might end up. And, you know, you lined yourself up for a good uh, career in media post-playing, uh, got yourself an education, and obviously you found a connection with Florida all the way back to your University of Miami days, and that's why you're still out there right now, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's, uh, things have gone well. And then, you know, dabbling in the, I started a hedge fund and dabbling in the finance world and stuff too. So I, uh, I'll put it this way. When people, when family members come in town to visit me, um, I very rarely have time for them. And when I do, I usually tote them around with me. And usually after the first day, it's like they're taking an anti-anxiety pill because of the 90 phone calls I'm on, the 20 places I have to go visit, or um, organizing my schedule for the next two or three remaining days. Like they, they, they finally understand. It's not just you know the boat, the cars, the house, the beach, the sunshine. They realize that I bust my ass every day in order to do that and have that. So. It's not like, you know, they, they sit there and it's, it's, I call them the must be nice people. The people that always look at you like if you're going on vacation and they tell you, yeah, it must be nice. Must be nice. But they don't realize you haven't taken a vacation day in, in, in you know, two years. And then finally you're taking time out of your schedule to go on vacation. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things where uh, it makes people aware of, of lack, I guess you can say, the lack of complacency that I have. Mm-hmm. Again, man, a kid from Windsor, it's cool to see, uh, to go through your whole career to see what you're doing now. Just uh, great to get caught up with you, and thank you for taking the time to do this. You got it, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And there we have it, folks. I don't want to ramble on too much. I know the beginning was a little bit much for you to hear me talking. And I do have some stuff I want to share with you guys, but Brett Romberg wraps up our interview segment of the show in our last interview of 2019. Um, so like I said, usually we always take the week of Christmas and the week of uh, New Year's off, so we're always going to miss two weeks no matter what. And this year, actually, uh, maybe not a huge accomplishment, but something I'm proud of is the first year that I had gone all 50 weeks without taking a break and I even went to Italy and did the same thing last year two weeks released episodes while I was overseas Um, you know sometimes if uh, things just work out where I might be busy or we don't have an interview lined up might just take the week off and that's always something that I consider here but um, if if I don't have to then I'm not going to and uh, I mean this year I've been on top of it kind of praise myself a little bit not a big deal but like just been uh, been on top of it, and I've been happy to bring you guys episodes every single week from the second week of January to the second last week of December every year, and look forward to doing it again in the new year. Uh, we're going to try and change up a few things and just kind of freshen up the show, the radio show as well. Not as much over there because we, uh, you know, we got our concept over there on the radio show. We hear some of our interview from the podcast, hear some music and local sports news. Um, but again, I don't want to ramble too much. I do have a little bit of sports news and stuff uh, I want to talk about. And uh, just off, off the top of my head, we're going to start with our Windsor Express. Uh, they're actually going to be kicking off their regular season next week, next Saturday, as they welcome the London Lightning to the WFCU Center for their home opener and season opener, first game of the year at the WFCU Center, 7 p.m. Saturday December 28th. But one thing that's been big in the news lately is their proposal to renovate and move in to the barn windsor arena downtown windsor so basically it proposed in conjunction with the ymca uh, a renovation idea for the arena to make it into the windsor express home if you haven't seen the photos uh, they are on our facebook and they've been kind of all over uh, social media at least in the local realm here uh, as of late 
And if you ask me, there is a lot to consider when it comes to the situation. So um, I might be a little bit all over the place, but like you got to do something with that building. I mean, I can agree with that. It's sitting there. It's doing nothing. It's got a lot of history. It's a beautiful building. Um, why not do something with it, right? So as we all know, it has a, has a deep history of hockey. I mean, our Windsor Spitfires and, and many other junior A and senior A teams have played there over the years. And it's 90 years old or actually I think it's approaching 100 um, no 1929 it was built so yeah looking at 90 years of the barn um, and it's still there so why not use it right um, so yeah it has a deep history of hockey and it will be kind of a shame to not see it as a hockey arena but this could be the next best thing it being a basketball facility and just recreation facility sport facility there's so much that they can do with it and I, I don't know if they talked about everything that would be in the arena or facility if this went if this went down as you can see from the the art renditions it is a little bit different looking but you can tell it's the same place so it would be cool to have a, a home base for any team in there and you know maybe they can do ice as well and it could also be home to the lancers like it used to be um, there's still a lot of options but um, to skip ahead they were already shortlisted <laughs> as of i believe monday uh, city Council had ruled to uh, kind of put it on the back burner, not officially ruling it out, but it's not something that they're looking to accomplish anytime soon, the, including the Express. The Express, uh, if their plan goes accordingly, they plan to move in there for the 2021-2022 season. So what does that mean for the Express? Um, if you ask me, they need to get their numbers up. It's no secret that they don't draw a big crowd to the WFCU Center. It's not a huge secret that Windsor is not a giant basketball city, but that being said, we do have a strong core and we do have uh, we do have a fan base. We just need to show it and we need to grow it. Um, so they need to show the numbers out there at the WSU. They need to show some improvement for this to get rolling, I think. I mean, bringing them downtown would be a difference maker. It would change some things, but in a business standpoint on paper, why? Why are we going to bring the Windsor Express here? Do you really expect them to go to a different location and sales just inflate out of nowhere? We need to see some some positive improvement for the team. I mean, it's a great product. Um, if you listen to Andy Sullivan's podcast this week, he has Bill Jones on, um, who, who was on the radio show and, and the podcast as well, although he says that was his first podcast. I don't think he realized <laughs> what he was doing here with me. Had him all the way back on episode two of Win City Sports. And it's a great product on the court. These are pro basketball players with uh, the coaches and the players have deep history and experience. So that is not anything that they really need to work on. They're two-time champions. They're, they're in a rebuild and they're starting to turn it around um, management-wise. It looks like they've made the right decisions this year, finally, after a few rough years. And they still have that mentality, that winning mentality. They, they've done it before. They can do it again. So that's not the issue. The issue is getting people there and showing that it could be a good product downtown Windsor. And that can really help revitalize downtown Windsor, which, if you ask me, isn't isn't doing the best. I've always been a big, obviously, Wind City guy. But uh, just this last year has not been good for downtown Windsor. And I hope to see it revitalized. And that being said, I'm going to get out to a game this year. I don't, I haven't been to a game in two years, so I, I can't really talk myself. I'm not saying that you got to get up off your ass and get down there and go to a game, but like someone's got to, if you're a, if you're a Windsor Express fan, um, you got to support. And if you're a basketball fan, give it a try. 
Um, as I meant to say earlier, if uh, you're still listening to this, I can't believe it. I don't know why anyone would give a shit what I say, but uh, thanks for listening. And that's just my opinion. If you have any opinion, let us know on Facebook or Twitter. We put the pictures out there and ask for the public's uh, ideas for their opinions. So that's what I think. And uh, I think that's more than enough. Let's roll on over to the Windsor Spitfires, who, without them, the barn wouldn't even exist. And they've been rolling, as always. I mean, this year has been a big turnaround year for them, but they've been doing fantastic. I'm just going to pull up the schedule here and see what we might have missed and what is upcoming in the, oh, upcoming in the near future. Um, of course, they're going to be taking a Christmas break as well. I'm sure uh, the kids got to go back home and uh, you know, kind of take a chill day. But they're coming off a big win last Sunday over the London Knights. They previously had lost to Guelph Storm on Friday night and uh, Saginaw in overtime the night before here in Windsor. So they play tonight against Mississauga before going up to Sarnia tomorrow night. And they're not in action until next Saturday, but they'll be on the road in Saginaw as our Windsor Express have their home opener. And their next home game following tonight is New Year's Eve, their annual 2, 2 p.m. New Year's Eve game against Flint, Michigan. Uh, sorry, Flint Firebirds, if I'm right across the border. You know what? I rambled on big time, and I love talking to you guys, and I can't believe that you listen to me. If you're still listening to me right now, thank you so much. We're going to wrap up the year by saying thank you to Wind City and to anyone who has listened to the show, has been on the show, as I say every year. It's It, it can't happen without those kind of people. It can't happen unless we have conversations here on the podcast and put it out to the masses for you guys to listen to. So thank you to everyone who's been part in any sort and who has helped me get uh, interviews or anything. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun uh, going on four years of doing this now and uh, who knows what the future holds. But that is it this week and this year on Win City Sports. It's been a great 2019. My name is Drake Demore. And aside from next week and the week after that, I'm here every Thursday with a brand new episode of the Win City Sports podcast and Win City Sports radio show on CJAM 99.1 FM in Windsor and Detroit at 12:30, and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. You can catch every single episode of the Win City Sports podcast featuring full, uncut interviews with local athletes and coaches on WinCitySports.com or wherever podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a subscribe and review. And for social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever it may be. At WinCity underscore sports is our handle. And if you're trying to find us, both uh, if you're trying to find the podcast or social media, WinCity is all one word, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y. Uh, you can also follow me, Drake Tamora, on Twitter and Instagram. But until next year, smell you later. <laughs>